Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. How are you? It is Eric Erickson here. My goodness gracious, six days, five days. What is it? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yep, six days, six days until the election. Doom is upon us if you're a Democrat. The rest of us, we will skate by fine. I told you guys something was going to happen. Told you so. This is this is not my real I told you so moment, but it kind of is my told you so moment. It, it, it is. I said one of the signs of a wave was going to be when the blame game starts. Once the blame game starts, and it starts before the election, you know the wave is upon us. You just do. It's what happens. The wave is upon us. How do I know the wave is upon us? Well, here is the headline from Axios, Democrats' Tattered Coattails. With a week to go before the midterm election, some Democratic operatives working on House races are already beginning to assign blame in the event their party loses winnable seats. The culprit, they say, is blue state governors dragging down the rest of the ballot. In New York, in California, in Illinois, in New Jersey, in Oregon, governors are not that popular. New York's 25th and California's 26th in deep blue territory have attracted spending from both parties. One Democratic strategist working on House campaigns said there's a direct correlation between the performance of Governor Kathy Hochul in New York and Governor Gavin Newsom in California and the effects it's having on House candidates. But wait, there's more. In Punch Bowl, which covers Capitol Hill and the White House, they're ready for doom. Just six days out for the midterm elections, House Democrats could see their second majority in a dozen years disappear in a red tide. And they're already complaining. Among Democratic leaders, there have been quiet preparations for the inevitable. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and other Democratic organizations have previewed to leadership in recent days the outlook that keeping the House continues to deteriorate. There's no single reason why Democrats find themselves in this political dilemma. But if you look back across the 117th Congress, in spite of significant legislative victories, Democrats could never stay on the same page. Progressives, progressives have repeatedly clashed with leadership for being too slow or too timid. And then there's the message. Democrats are still debating what the best message is with the election less than a week away. Should they lean in on abortion, push back on GOP economic claims, talk about student loan forgiveness? What about January 6th? What about election deniers? What about crime, safety? What about their accomplishments? Keep in mind. Keep in mind. According to Stan Greenberg, one of the top Democratic pollsters, when the Democrats talk about their message or their, or their accomplishments, rather, 
when their accomplishments are their message, they perform even worse in the polls. Uh-huh. There's the problem. But wait, there's more. The New York Times today, top Democrats question their party's strategy as midterm worries grow. Leading lawmakers and strategists are openly doubting the party's kitchen sink approach, saying Democrats have failed to unify a one, around a single message. Many prominent Democrats have worried their party has not fully acknowledged the pain of rising prices or effectively pointed the finger at Republicans over higher costs. Senator Bernie Sanders has sounded alarm bells that Democrats are struggling to motivate working-class voters. Barack Obama urged Democrats not to be a buzzkill by making people feel as if they were walking on eggshells when it came to issues of race and gender. Some Democrats believe that time has simply run out for any significant shift in strategy. In the final stretch, Joe Biden and Barack Obama are emphasizing economic issues. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. It is not the message. It is not any one message. It is not their collective messaging. It is not their disunity on message. It is their policies. In all of the analysis of all of the Democrats already turning on each other a week before the election, they're attacking each other over a mixed, muddied message. But it's not the message. It's the policies. It's the policies. When they tried to defend themselves on abortion, Lindsey Graham is owed a lot of credit. He made a lot of conservatives mad for advancing a federal piece of legislation for a 15-week abortion ban. And he got a lot of conservatives mad saying, wait, we fought for years for this to be an issue of the states, and now you want to federalize it again? That really wasn't the point, and everyone missed the point. It was too subtle for too many people so absorbed in the issue. It was to force the Democrats to answer the question, okay, if not 15 weeks, then when? And what did they hear from them? Abortion on demand until the moment that baby leaves the hospital. The Democrats were far more radical than the Republicans, far more out of step. What about the economy? Joe Biden and the Democrats' plan was to spend more. They passed their Inflation Reduction Act and they got a Green New Deal. Didn't do anything to fix the economy. It's not working for them. It's not working. It's a disaster. Friends, it was never the message. It was never the message. It was never even about their accomplishments. It was about their policies. The messengers are the problem, not the message. The Democrats are not liked. Tonight, Joe Biden is going to go to Union Station in Washington, D.C., and deliver remarks on preserving and protecting our democracy. According to a DNC advisory, the president will, quote, address the threat of election deniers and those who seek to undermine faith in voting and democracy. They're really, at the end, going to make this about election denialism and threats to democracy?
Friends, I've decided everything is a threat to democracy. Did you know McDonald's has declared this is the last year of the McRib? Now, this may be like the seven annual uh, goodbye share uh, campaigns and, and um, her her tours where she kept saying she was retiring and for seven years she was keeping retiring and kept touring. That may be what the McRib is doing. But McDonald's says this is it. They're done. It's not a top seller anymore when it comes out. That's a threat to democracy in my mind. I saw a man, I was going to breakfast earlier, and there was a man trying to turn north onto I-75 in the, into the southbound lanes. He wasn't paying attention. You could clearly see his wife was yelling at him because her hands were in the air frantically motioning, and he slammed on the brakes in mid-turn and corrected and messed up traffic. That Clearly a threat to democracy right there. This threat to democracy talk from Democrats, they have internalized it, and they believe it, and they funded the candidates they say are threats to democracy. They're, they've run out of time. You know, I actually was in the camp that was dismissive of the idea of New Hampshire being in play for the Senate until it dawned on me after the show yesterday. See, Real Clear Politics has said that New Hampshire is suddenly in play. The Republicans could actually get to 54, 55 seats in the Senate. New Hampshire is in play. I'm like, no, it's not. It's New Hampshire. There's no way it's in play. What's your name? The uh, Maggie Hassan, the, the incumbent, is led by nine until the last week, and she's crashed, and it's now a tied race, clearly, uh, something's going on there, but all the early votes in New Hampshire are going to offset. Wait a second. There's no early voting in New Hampshire. Now, I know if you're a Democrat in Georgia, this comes as a shock to you because you've been told that your 18 days of early voting is voter suppression by Stacey Abrams. New Hampshire doesn't have any early voting. You can vote by absentee if you have an excuse. Otherwise, you got to show up on Election Day. Total voter suppression in New Hampshire. So they have no early voted in New Hampshire. Maggie Hassan, the incumbent Democrat, her polling has collapsed. Democrats are starting to freak out and pour money into New Hampshire. They've pulled it from Val Demings in Florida, among others. They're pulling some of it from Raphael Warnock. They're assuming he'll get into a runoff. I don't think he will. And they're having to flood it into New Hampshire. They've pulled all the money out of Tim Ryan's race, and they're putting it into Washington State and New Hampshire. They've given up on Tim Ryan in Ohio. If Maggie Hassan has really collapsed this close to the election as all the momentum heads towards the GOP and the Federal Reserve raises interest rates again today, which probably sends the stock market down again, the Democrats could lose New Hampshire and put in a man they spent $30 million to get him on the Republican nomination. Yes, that's right. The Republican there, the Democrats poured money into his race, tens of millions of dollars, to ensure he would get the Republican nomination because they concluded he was an election denier who was the easiest one to beat. And now he could be the next senator from New Hampshire. Fascinating. Fascinating times. The Democrats, you need to understand, did this to themselves. There is this thing. It's called basic economics. In the history of mankind going back to the Roman Empire, we've learned this. When you dump a bunch of money into the economy, it causes this thing called inflation. Some 
female professor, of course, a female professor, decided that she could spend with impunity and there would be no inflation. It's called modern monetary theory. The, the, this, this woman decided uh, that, you know, she could spend all, all of uh, Uncle Sam's money and her sugar daddy would never find inflation. Yes, I'm being provocatively sexist in this. I find the whole thing ridiculous. It should be discredited. Some female left-wing academic decided, hey, you know what? Based on modern monetary theory, here's what we can do. We can spend as much money as we want, and if we run into problems, we just raise taxes, and that'll kill inflation. Except you have a uh, Senate that has a filibuster. You have a House of Representatives that only has five Democratic seats. They screwed everything up. The Democrats decided to operate as if they had a mandate, which they did not have, and they've wrecked the economy, and they're the ones in the driver's seat. They're the ones behind the wheel. The Republicans do not get blamed by voters when Republicans control nothing in Washington, and the Democrats can argue all they want. Well, actually, it's a 50-50 Senate, and we're only in charge by a tie-breaking vote, but they're in charge with a tie-breaking Boat. Chuck Schumer is the majority leader, not the minority leader. Nancy Pelosi is the speaker. Joe Biden is the president. They get all the blame. You can say it's unfair, but they're the ones who did all the spinning that provoked inflation. They are the ones who decided to curtail fossil fuels in this country and make us dependent on third world dictators while driving up your gas prices. And all they can do about it at this point is lie about it. Every single voter in America knows gas prices were cheaper when Donald Trump was president. Do you, what do you expect? Them to not believe their eyes? They, will you believe Joe Biden who makes stuff up on the trail all the time when he's out on the campaign trail? Friends, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats are in Politico, they're in Axios, they're in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Times, they're on CNN, they're in Axios, and they have already begun the blame game, and we are six days away from the election. The rats are fleeing the sinking ship. This happens in wave years. It will one day again happen to Republicans, and you all will hate me for pointing that out when it happens to Republicans, and you will claim that I'm lying and suppressing the vote, but this always happens. The Pattern happens. This time it's the shoe is on the Democratic foot. Next time it will be on the Republican foot. We will relive this. It will be our nightmare. We will see our strategist backbiting a week before the election. But we can savor it this time and enjoy it. Here's the problem for the Democrats. Six days from now, this crimson tide, not intending to make an Alabama reference, will sweep across the nation wrecking havoc in deep Democratic districts. And because the media and the Democrats are all within the same bubble, they will find someone to blame, but it will not be them. And the danger for the Democrats then is they risk making the same mistakes all over again for the next two years and then concluding once again, it's not us, it's those stupid voters and the voters will yet again deal with them with impunity. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course of the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C., 
who just want to play political football and have power. Americas for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans. If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. This is Don Lemon with John Fetterman. You know it's getting bad for the Democrats when you got Don Lemon asking tough questions of them. That's a big factor in where Biden has been these last few days. He is not going to the places that you're seeing former President Obama go to. It's because of that approval rating. And a lot of people are not you know, they don't want to be seen with the president, quite frankly, and they don't want to even answer the question about whether they should be um, running with him or at having having him on the campaign trail or if they'll support him come 2020. Yeah, they don't want Joe Biden on the campaign trail and, and wrong audio. This is it. So just a context here. In 2018, when running for lieutenant governor, you said, I don't support fracking at all and I never have. So to be clear, lieutenant governor, do you support fracking now? Yeah, uh, no, the the the. All of the all of the reservations that I had with fracking were all about the environmental concerns, and Pennsylvania passed some of the strongest envir- environmental regulations, uh, and that is now you know means that 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 you know, I've been very supportive about fracking because uh, energy independence is critical, uh, and that gets more and more important you know given in light of the the Ukraine war uh, to make sure that we can't be uh, at a hostage to a nation like like Russia. Um, again, it's it's all it was all about the environmental uh, issues. And again, after the regulations passed, uh, it's it's a no brainer to support fracking. And I've been been very so- strong supporter of, of fracking. So listen, and, but my it, correct me if I'm wrong. My research shows that environmental protections, those environmental protections, were put in place in 2016. So what has changed since since 2018 when you said that you didn't support it? we'll play the rest of that audio when we get back the holidays are the most exciting time of year and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest you need to get the best night's sleep every single night particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays my goodness gracious it's easier than it sounds though you need the softest most luxurious organic cotton sheets from bowl and branch Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read. Y'all, let me just tell you, Bowling Branch, I sleep on their sheets, and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like, they start out, and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is, is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on Bowling Branch sheets. I bought them myself even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But their signature sheets, they come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowling Branch Bedding. For a limited time, 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code ERIC, bowlandbranch.com. 
Heads up, Tulsi Gabbard intends to join me on Friday. She'll be in Georgia campaigning for Herschel Walker. Um, I will be in Orlando at WDBO on Friday. Hope to see some of you, my Orlando listeners there. Go to WDBO.com to the contest section. Uh, if you want to sign up to come have lunch with me while I'm doing the show, you'll be able to sit and watch. Uh, and Gabbard will be calling in from the campaign trail. I want to move on to something. But first, I want you to know I continue to do my daily updates on early voting, and I I need to give you a number. And that number is, well, now I forgot the number. That's the way my mind works these days with the election coming up. 216. 216. That number, that number, 216, that's the number of votes behind Republicans now are in Miami-Dade County, Florida. That number is relevant because Republicans tend to be down by several thousand votes, if not tens of thousands of votes in early voting, and they're pretty much equal with the Democrats. That gives you a sense of things. I've broken all these numbers down nationwide, including why Democrats are starting to get really nervous in Nevada and in New Hampshire. If you text data to 33777, uh, subscribe to my daily email. I'll give you 15% discount as a radio listener, and you can get all of the late-breaking early voting turnout numbers. And I need to play you the rest of this audio from Don Lemon and John Fetterman. I'm stunned that Don Lemon asked this question. Yeah, no, they, 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 they were all... Let me go back a little bit on the audio here. If, correct me if I'm wrong. My research shows that environmental protections, those environmental protections were put in place in 2016, so what has changed since, since 2018 when you said that you didn't support it? Yeah, no, they, 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 they were all part of, of, of that. And I also want to point out that in 2017, um, I was actually very supportive of fracking directly across the street from where I live as well, too. I've never taken any, any money from the industry. And I believe it's, uh, you know, I've always believed that it's, it's a very environmental uh, concerns. And it's also very critical from uh, uh, energy independence as, as well and it's it's part of supporting fracking and now that we're doing it in a more uh, or in a stronger environmental kinds of of regulations um the fact that don lemon is even holding him accountable in his past statements is pretty remarkable here he's not trying to carry water for fetterman that suggests the tide has turned and it is over except i don't think it ever began I want to say something to you and you are immediately going to dismiss it. But if you let me explain it to you, I think you will probably wind up agreeing with me. If you don't, that's why we have phone lines here. It was, is, and has always been about Afghanistan. This entire election was, is, and has always been about Afghanistan. Not in the way you might think, and this is where your initial reaction may be to disagree with me, but I think you'll wind up agreeing with me. The president's polling was trending down somewhat in the run-up to the uh, retreat from Afghanistan because he said we were at the end of COVID and then we had another COVID wave and his team seemed a little bit inept. And then Afghanistan happened. The withdrawal from Afghanistan, the retreat from Afghanistan, it left 13 Americans dead, and there are still Americans to this day stuck in Afghanistan. 
it did something to this president of the United States. Because what this midterm election is actually about is empathy. And Afghanistan showed the president did not have the empathy he claimed. People want their leaders to understand them and show that they relate to their feelings. During the school lockdowns of America, parents became very angry. And into the Biden administration, parents were furious. Their kids could not go back to school. Their children, they could literally physically see their children falling behind. They could see their children having to wear masks all of the time, regress in the ability to handle emotions and speech when they need people's faces. They could see the pediatric societies of America deleting the long-held information about children needing to see faces. They could see the teachers' unions and the doctors' alliances all saying, oh, it's no big deal. They could see the government bureaucrats and public health officials saying, don't worry about it, your kid will be fine. And they knew their child was not fine. And along comes Joe Biden, and his message is, I care, I'm with you, I'm relatable, my family has been through tragedy, my first wife, my child died, my son died of brain cancer, my other son is a drug addict, my daughter has problems, I'm from a broken family that was rebuilt with the help of my wife, I know tragedy, I know what it's like, I get you. That guy, he doesn't. That guy was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He lives in Palm Beach, Florida. He pretends to be relatable, and he's not. He does not have the life of tragedy I had. I can relate to you. I will return us to normalcy. And Americans who had actually grown tired of the mean tweets, because it wasn't about the mean tweets. It was about wondering if World War III was going to get started every day. The level of anxiety and, and frustration of a man who most Americans concluded really didn't sympathize with them, empathize with them, or understand them, and he needed to go. Let's get the guy who's lived a tragic life, who has rebounded through health care struggles and the death of his first wife. We'll put him in the White House, and he gets it. He's lived the tragic life that so many Americans now live. And then Afghanistan happened. And the man who claimed maximum empathy for all of us proved himself cold, callous, and as rigid and dogmatic as the last guy. The last guy wanted to leave Afghanistan as well, but the last guy understood that there's a fighting season and there's a winter season. And if you leave in the winter season, it would allow the troops on the ground in Afghanistan, the Afghanis, to build up their fortifications to prepare for the fighting season. The new guys said, damn the advice, screw the generals, we're leaving now. In the middle of fighting season. And then his administration, we now know the intelligence was right that the Taliban would take over quickly. And he lied to us in public and said, no, 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 this is not likely. This is not going to happen. The Taliban were on the ground taking over Kabul before we were even gone. And 13 American soldiers lost their lives. And Joe Biden never said, I'm sorry, never said I got it wrong. He found other people to blame and still left and left Americans behind on the ground. The man who Americans assumed would empathize with them, clearly had no empathy, but was a bit of a biblical donkey. And then 
the economy started to free fall. Because of his policies, he was warned by Larry Summers, a Democrat, don't do this, you're going to spark inflation. And he said, what does Larry Summers know? I know best. Just like Afghanistan, he provoked and caused inflation. The generals had warned Joe Biden, you do not pull out of Afghanistan in the middle of the fighting season, and he did it anyway. Cost 13 American lives. First time in several years, Americans had died on the ground in Afghanistan. And then his economic, top economic voices of the Democratic Party said, don't do this COVID stimulus package. It's too big. You're going to get inflation. He said, screw them. I know best. He did it, and he got inflation. And then all of the oil and gas companies said, look, you're curtailing our capacity to produce oil in the United States. You're driving up regulations. You're driving up costs. You're disincentivizing this. We can't switch to batteries tomorrow. And he said, screw it. We're going to do it anyway. And gas prices went up. He said, oh, it's Putin. It's Putin. It's Putin. It's not my fault. There's literally nothing we can do about gas. We can't bring it down. We can't increase it. It is out of our control. It's all Putin's fault. There's a war in Ukraine. And then he decided to release all of the oil and gas from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He's like, it's me. It's me. Give me credit. Give me credit. Give me credit. Oh, hush, Siri. Siri's decided to start a workout in mid-monologue. Joe Biden told you he could empathize with you. And what he did is he wrecked your life. He cost the lives of Americans in Afghanistan. He left Americans in Afghanistan. He ruined your economy. He came into office saying that other guy can never accept blame. That other guy will never accept responsibility. You need to replace him with a mature adult who's lived a hard life, who knows the tragedies of life and knows how to accept responsibility. And he came into office and he ignored everyone else, said he knew best, caused disaster after disaster and refused to accept the blame. No different from the other guy. Except with the other guy, we had low inflation, we had low gas prices, we had a good economy. No one in the world was messing with us. Now Vladimir Putin is in Ukraine. The global food supply is under threat. The Chinese are emboldened. The Iranians are expansive and killing their own people and threatening attacks in the Middle East. All of these things because the rest of the world realized Joe Biden is all bluster. And the American public has realized... He really doesn't care about him. Joe Biden wears his emotions on his sleeve when they benefit Joe Biden. It was that moment in Afghanistan, and this is why it goes back to Afghanistan, because it was that moment in Afghanistan where Americans thought they were getting a competent leader who cared. And suddenly they realized they were getting a stubborn, cold-hearted old mule who would do whatever he wanted to do regardless of what people told him to do. And if it screwed up, he would blame someone else. And the problem for Joe Biden is that every damn thing he's done thereafter, he himself has followed the same pattern. Ignore everybody's advice, do it, and when it screws up, blame everybody else. And the American people can see through this. There was a moment in the summer for women when the Supreme Court said, we're getting rid of Roe v. Wade. This goes back to the states. Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. And Joe Biden came out and said, this is a tragedy. This is about women's health. This is about women's rights. We must fix this. We must do something. And women in America were like, oh, my gosh, she actually does care about us. Maybe we should go to him. And the polling shifted towards the Democrats. 
because it looked like Joe Biden had rediscovered his empathy on this issue. Except he hadn't. He didn't do anything. And he made everything else worse. And then instead of owning it, and then instead of saying, I'm sorry for it, and then instead of saying, we're going to get it right this time, he doubled down on everything he was doing, decided to go with the democracy is under threat attack, go after Trump supporters, go after half the country who didn't like him, shame those people. Some of those people had actually voted for Donald Trump in 2016, voted for Biden in 2020, and those people felt like Biden was attacking them. And they've had enough. Afghanistan was the tipping point of this administration where Joe Biden showed he wasn't the man people thought he was. He didn't have the empathy people thought he had. He wasn't competent the way people thought. He wasn't the responsible leader he claimed to be. And he wasn't capable of acknowledging his mistakes in the way he said he could. In short, Joe Biden in 2020 said, I am the anti-Donald Trump. And instead, he was shown in the minds of independent voters to be the Democrats' Donald Trump. And they had replaced Donald Trump with him, and now they want to replace him. And because they can't replace him yet, they're at least going to hold him accountable by bringing Republicans back into Congress in the exact same way they did to Donald Trump in 2018. The pattern repeats itself because Joe Biden sold himself as something he never was. He exposed himself in Afghanistan. And ever since, every time the voters go to the grocery store and they don't see the baby formula on the shelves, Joe Biden promised he'd get back. They're reminded, this man has no empathy for me and my problems. Every time they pay the grocery bill, they're reminded, this man has no empathy for me and my family. Every time they fill up their car with gas, this man has no empathy. And every time they see their paycheck, and that paycheck shrinks in comparison to prices, they remember he was warned not to do Afghanistan the way he did it not to do the stimulus bill the way he did it. And he did them anyway. And in so doing, he wrecked everything and can't accept responsibility. He has no empathy for me or my family. And the Democrats will be held accountable because of Joe Biden. And after the election, I guarantee you, they will turn on that man as quick as they can. In fact, it's already starting to happen. Now, before I get out of here, I got to have Jim speak in my ear and tell me what I'm doing here because I totally, <laughs> I, 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 you know, so you guys don't hear Jim's voice down the line. Jim occasionally has to remind me of things because I get worked up at a monologue and he's been whispering in my ear telling me stuff and I've been so worked up on this monologue that it just goes in one ear out the other very much like when my wife or kids are talking to me when I'm in the middle of thinking about something else. So I have to remind you guys about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm BOGO offer. Because right now, if you buy one, you get one for free. You go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in Eric BOGO, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O, and you buy one, you get one for free. You buy two, you get two for free. Buy three, you get three for free. You see the pattern here? They're great. Now, here's how I use them. I don't use them as a regular air purifier. I don't leave them on all the time in my house. Uh, they, they are filterless. You just wipe them out on occasion. Here's why I use them and how they just work magic. These are magical devices. If you are in a room, if you're in a part of your house, if you're in a rental car, if you're in your car, if you're in your RV, if you're in a hotel room and it stinks, you fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it eliminates the odors. Pet odors, litter box odors, smoke odors, 
food odors, frying odors, cooking odors, smoky odors, you name it. It wipes them out. I have used this thing in a rental car that someone had clearly been hotboxing in and it wiped out the odors. I've used it in a hotel room before where someone had been smoking in the hotel room and it was the only hotel room available. I fired it up. It got rid of those smells. I've used it in my kitchen when I've been frying shrimp and the whole house smells like shrimp and it gets rid of those odors. I use the Eden Pure Thunderstorm to eliminate odors. You can too. You can buy one and get one free right now at EdenPureDeals.com and the discount code is Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. Don't forget, text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get all the show notes. You can get subscribe, get the podcast, get the the live stream, get all of that stuff by texting ERIC. But more specifically, right now with all the election analysis I've been doing on a daily basis, if you text DATA to 33777, that very first link will be 15% off the annual subscription so that you can get all of the data that you're going to want. I, I I need to see something right quick. I, I need to verify something. Uh, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm doing this in real time here. Um, I am I'm scrolling through because there's a method of my madness uh, that, yep, 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 this is exactly what I thought, 80%. Okay, Towns County, Georgia, only generated 7,979 votes, 7979 for the presidency in uh, 2020, but it was 80% for Donald Trump. Towns County, Georgia, has the highest turnout in relation to their 2018 turnout right now. 72.5% of their voters have already voted. Now, for counties over, this is in Georgia, for counties over 100,000 registered, uh, that would be for Scythe County. 57%. So for those of you paying attention to what's going to happen in Georgia in this election, Forsyth County went 65% for Donald Trump with 85,000 votes. It is the highest percentage of registered voter turnout in the state of Georgia for counties with more than 100,000 people. Now, this is interesting. What are the lowest Wilkinson and Richmond, Richmond for counties over 100,000 people, Wilkinson for counties under 100,000 people, both are Democratic areas. Wilkinson, very rural and poor. Richmond, the second largest media market in the state of Georgia outside of Atlanta, and only 38.6% of registered voters have shown up. Highly Democratic area, and voters are not turning out. That's a problem for the Democrats in Georgia. They've got problems in Florida. They got problems all over the nation. We will get into their problems they're having in this last week when we come back.